In our sinful moments, you and I come up with lots of reasons to avoid responsibility, don't we? If we're ever tempted to think, I can't do anything for God because I don't have anything, Trent Griffith has a different perspective. You have a life, you have breath, you have strength, you have time, and God's gonna hold us responsible for all of it. God has entrusted to us things that we all have. You have an influence, you have voice, you have intellect, and God wants all of it engaged in His business. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So have you ever seen the 2006 film, The Ultimate Gift? It's actually one of my family's favorites. The premise is that an extremely wealthy man by the name of Red Stevens wants to pass on his inheritance to his grandson, Jason. The problem is Jason is selfish. He's frankly irresponsible. So the grandfather before he dies sets up a series of gifts or lessons for Jason to learn. There's the gift of hard work, the gift of friendship, the gift of family, of learning, and so on. And over the course of a few months, Jason is transformed into a responsible, productive, and compassionate young man, someone who's better able to handle the hundreds of millions of dollars he's about to receive. The plot does make for a nice story. The character development's obvious, but in real life, the journey to true responsibility is usually not quite so linear. In fact, if you and I were actually being honest, we do flip back and forth between being responsible and irresponsible more than we care to admit. Well, the topic of spiritual responsibility is one that Pastor Trent tackled recently in a series titled Divine Deconstruction. He's pointing out ways that Jesus wants to help us tear down our wrong thinking. We're going to review some of what Pastor Trent shared last week on Resonate. Then conclude this message, which was recorded in the spring of 2020. Here's Pastor Trent. Let's begin reading. In Luke chapter 19, I'll give you the first point of the message. It's this, take inventory and ask this question. What have you been given? Luke 19, beginning in verse 11. As they heard these things, and of course, those are the things related to Zacchaeus in the previous passage where Jesus said he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. As they heard these things, Jesus proceeded to tell them a parable, a story, because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore... A nobleman, here's the story, made up story, mythical story. Jesus is telling a parable. A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Do you see the movement? There's a king who came into a country. He left that country and then he returned. And of course, this is talking about Jesus leaving his throne in heaven, coming to earth. He only was here for 33 years on the planet and then he ascended to his father back into heaven. You and I live in the time in between Jesus' first coming and his return at his second coming. And Jesus wants to teach us what we're to do until he returns through this story. Now, I want you to notice here in verse 13 what he says, calling 10 
of his servants, he gave them ten minas. Now, a mina was a currency, the way that we would think about dollars. And a mina in that currency was about three months wages. It was a very large amount of money. And then he continues, he says, and he said to them, engage in business until I come. Now the business that he's speaking of, symbolically in the story, is not your business, not not your business that you go to work and make a profit for. He's talking about the business God is in. God is engaged in the business of this broken world. So he continues in verse 14, it says, but his his citizens hated him and, and they sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Uh, when he returned, remember the, the, the king has gone off to a far country. He's left this pile of money for his servants, tells them to do business. And it says, when he returns, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Mark it down. Every individual one day will be called to give an account of what we have done with that which God has given to us. Do you understand? Jesus has given you massive responsibility to engage in his business, to do with his stuff what he would do with his stuff if he was physically here. And we're to do that until he returns. And we don't know when that's going to be. We should live today engaged in God's business as if tomorrow he's coming to call us to give an account for it. So this is the question I would ask you. What have you been given? Let's just take inventory right now and let me give you five categories to think through, maybe even to make a list as God brings things to mind. First of all, when he talks about giving us a gift, the first thing that he's given us is life itself. Every breath is a gift. How about the second category, your family? We need to take responsibility for loving them, for creating a sense of family. How about this third category? Influence. All of us have a mind. All of us have a circle of influence. Places that you go. Teams that you play on. Workplaces that you go to. Here's another category. Wealth. It is the Lord your God who gives you the power to make wealth. And every dime is a gift. Here's a final category. It's the revelation of God himself. It's God's self-disclosure of himself. Every word that you've ever read in scripture is a gift of God to reveal to you his will and his ways. Every sermon you've ever heard preached. So take inventory. And you know, the first response from our heart ought to be just gratefulness to God. Thank you, God, for my life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the influence that you've given me. Thank you for every dime and thank you for your word. Take inventory and be grateful. Here's the second point, And this is the final point. Take responsibility and ask this question. What are you doing 
with what you have been given. So the second point, take responsibility. What are you doing with what you have been given? The story continues here and he tells um, a less flattering illustration. He says this, when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first one came saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. Now, I want you to notice something. He didn't say, my mina has made 10 minas more. Good servants understand that it all belongs to God. Even though he's given it to us, it's still his. So your mina has made 10 mores, verse 17. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. Underline that, faithful in a very little thing. You shall have authority over 10 cities, verse 18. And the second came to him and said, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. And so do you understand what's happening here? Jesus is teaching us a principle. Faithful responsibility of God's stuff today will be rewarded with proportionate degrees of responsibility in the future. If your idea of heaven is lazily sitting on a cloud playing a harp for the rest of eternity, you do not understand the kingdom of heaven. We don't have all the details, but it's going to be a place where God's servants have massive responsibility. We just read the one who made 10 minas is going to have responsibility over 10 cities. The one who made five is going to have a, a proportionate amount of responsibility in the kingdom of heaven. I want to invite you, if you want to be entrusted with massive responsibility, be faithful in the little things. Let's go back to those five categories. We said take responsibility. Are you taking responsibility for your life and the lives of others? Are you using your time to invest in anybody but yourself? To teach someone else how to live a life that pleases God and can bless others? How about your family? I, I want to encourage you in a culture that has basically just set aside the whole concept of marriage in favor of just kind of pretending to be married and cohabitating. Here's one of the ways that you can be faithful in little things is to pursue and value the sanctity of marriage. What are you doing with your influence? Thirdly, your wealth. This really is a theme throughout all of Jesus' teaching is that we're to be responsible with that which God has given. It all belongs to God. And so the first responsibility is to take my hands off God's stuff and say, God, it all belongs to you. What do you want me to do with it? I'm, you've given it to me because there's some, some bills that need to be paid and there, there's some responsibilities that I have. But I also need to save an appropriate amount for a season so that I'm responsible even for a time when I don't have an income. But then there's a huge opportunity here to invest in the kingdom of God. And I know some of you right now are struggling with finances in this season of uncertainty. Some of you have lost your jobs and most of us have either or are receiving some money. The government's returning some of our tax money to us. And if you're like me, there's money that just landed in my bank account. Crazy. And I have asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? This doesn't belong to me. This is, this is not a windfall. Maybe some of it needs to be saved. Some of it may need to be spent. Some of it could be given 
Maybe I could give now in a way that I wanted to give before I had this. Some of you need to take all of that and go buy groceries. And that's the most faithful thing that you can do. Some of you need to take it because your income hasn't dropped and you got this bonus. You need to go give it to somebody else who doesn't have an income. And some of you may need to pray about giving in a way that invest in the kingdom of God. You've seen all the different things that we're trying to do here to be the church God wants us to be. Here's the last thing. Remember that fifth thing is revelation. What are you doing with the words that God has spoken to you? What are you doing with the Holy Spirit's prompting about sin and salvation? Are you responding to that daily with faith and repentance? Look here at verse 20. It says, then another came. So there was these three servants. One made ten, one made five, and then we got this third guy. Notice what happens. Then another came saying, Lord. It's interesting that he called him Lord. Really? Let's find out if he really treated him like he was Lord. Here is your mina, which I kept... Just underline that word. That's a contrast from the other two guys. I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. Underline the word severe. This guy who's irresponsible thinks Jesus is severe. Irresponsible people think God is severe. Responsible people think God is gracious. It says, you take what you did not possess and reap what you did not sow. So he accuses him, he blames him for a lack of character. The reality is the problem is not a lack of Jesus' character. The problem is a lack of this guy's character. Notice in verse, um, in verse 22, he said, Jesus said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked Servant. First two guys, good servant. Well done. Third guy, wicked servant. Now, do you see anything that you would put in the category of wicked that this guy's done? What did the guy do? Answer? Nothing. Jesus puts nothingness in the wicked category. God is not going to congratulate you for what you did not do. Doing nothing is considered wicked in the kingdom of God. He says, you wicked servant, if you knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow, why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest at least? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it, because that's what God does, God gives. Give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minas. And he said, I tell you that to everyone who has will be given more, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The excuse the guy offers is, I was afraid of you. That is not the reason the guy kept and hid what had been given. It's not because he was afraid of the king. It was because he was afraid of failure. It was because he was afraid of risk. He was afraid of feeling unsafe. Do you know that you can value your safety so much it can become dangerous to your soul 
it could actually be considered wicked for you simply to live safe. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a, a pastor in Nazi Germany. Incredible courage. This is what he said. To delay or fail to make decisions may be more sinful than to make the wrong decisions out of faith and love. John Piper commenting on that says, Risk avoidance may be more sinful, more unloving than taking the risk in faith and love and making the wrong decision. Doing nothing needs forgiveness as much as doing the best you can and erring. Risk requires courage. Being a faithful servant of Jesus requires courage. Giving and taking responsibility and investing in the kingdom requires courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing in the face of fear. This guy calls the king severe. And that's what lazy, irresponsible People call people who make demands of them to take responsibility. What excuses have you used for irresponsibility? I thought of a few, some that I've used. I've thought, you know, I'm not sure I have anything to work with here. I, I can't do anything because I don't have anything. Well, we just kind of blew apart that mist. You, you have a life, you have breath, you have strength, you have time. And God's going to hold us responsible for all of it. God has entrusted to us things that we all have. You have an influence. You have voice. You have intellect. And God wants all of it engaged in his business. I've used the excuse before, I can't do as much compared to others. I mean, I know some really talented people. I know some really courageous leaders. And they're just so much more talented. They're so much smarter than I am. And yet in the story... The guy that only was able to produce five didn't compare himself with the guy that had 10. The guy that produced 10 didn't diminish the guy that could only produce five. They were just multipliers. They did what they could with that which they had. Don't use the excuse, I can't do as much as others. Here's another one. What, what I can do won't make a difference. I mean, it's just really bad out there and I can't do anything, so I'm not going to do anything. Uh, you may say, I, I can't do everything, so I'm just going to do nothing. No, everybody can do something. Or you may say, I'm afraid of failing. That's rooted in pride. And that's one of my besetting sins is I don't want to look like a failure in front of you, in front of my family. So if I don't do anything, I won't fail anything. And Jesus says, that's not an option. You, you can't feel fair, failure. Or here's another one. My, my irresponsibility doesn't affect anybody but me. So get off my case. It's not true. We are living in a culture right now that is actually breeding irresponsibility. We're thinking everybody else owes me. I'm entitled. And the truth is, your irresponsibility eventually becomes somebody's responsibility. Usually those that love you the most. Your irresponsibility affects a lot of people, mostly you. The story ends with a really troubling verse. Let me just read it to you here. Verse 27. But as for these enemies of mine, do you remember the guys back up at the beginning of the story that didn't want Jesus to reign over them? He comes back to them at the end. As for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, Bring them here and slaughter them before me. 
troubling. Notice the difference between the way that Jesus treats his enemies and the way he treats his servants. The truth of the matter is those are the only two categories. I'm born into this world rivaling the kingship of Jesus. I I have, by my own sinful, rebellious heart, declared myself to be king. I don't want anybody reigning over king me. And if that posture never changes, if I never bow before King Jesus in submission and worship, receiving him as king of me, my ultimate destiny is I will be eternally slaughtered in the presence of King Jesus. And yet, this is an opportunity to take responsibility for your sin. It's an opportunity to take responsibility for your pride, stubborn, arrogant attitude that has challenged the kingship, the authority of Jesus. And to say, Jesus, in every way, in every moment, I want you reigning over me. All that I have is yours. Open my hands. I want my life, my breath, my time, my influence, my voice, my family, my wealth, all engaged in your business as King Jesus. If you've never fully and finally bowed to King Jesus. You can do that right now. You can open your heart and say, Lord, I've, I've been the one that's been hoarding and hiding and wanting to live a safe life. And right now, I surrender it all to you. Open my hands. Show me how I can engage in your business. I've been way too concerned with mine. I repent. I trust you as my King. Let's pray together. King Jesus, thank you that you are kind and gracious to those over whom you reign. And yet we know the whole Bible is written that one day you will remove all rivals. You'll declare victory over all enemies. And God, I pray for every person that's listening right now that they would not be in the number of your enemies. That your spirit right now would break down defenses. That they would bow to you, your authority, your rule, your reign over every moment, over everything in their lives. Thank you for breaking through my walls. Continue to break down my defenses, my tendency to want to put myself on that throne again. Forgive us, Lord. Thank you that you and you alone can save. By your grace, you've done that. Do it again, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A right response to King Jesus is to put the excuses behind us, submit to his authority in our lives, and faithfully do what he's calling us to do. Well, we've been listening to the senior pastor of Gospel City Church, Trent Griffith. 
And here's the way the group, The Afters, puts it. What will it be like when my pain is gone And all the worries of this world just fade away A life of obedience will result in faithful stewardship on the part of his subjects, and our reward will be hearing him say, Well done. Well, that's the afters with a musical reminder of what Pastor Trent taught us earlier from the Gospel of Luke. You know, being a good servant involves pushing past the excuses and putting our faith into action. One good place to do that is through your local church. And if you're on the lookout for a church home, We'd love to invite you to check out Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. We gather both in person and online. For more information, just visit mygospelcity.org. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. 
And be sure to follow us on Facebook for more great content when you search for Gospel City Church. Well, next week on Resonate, Pastor Trent will share how Jesus confronts more of our false beliefs involving our control issues. I hope you'll join us for that. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that you do away with the excuses and allow God's Word to resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.